think it's a bit unsportsmanlike to bring an American sack to a fist fight. It's Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Chase Keys. I am Emmy Zero. And uh, if you are, for the first time, joining us on YouTube, welcome on in to the cafe. Have a seat. Get comfortable. Hello. Yes. Good to see you here. Somebody will be along with a menu in a few seconds. Uh, not one of us. No, 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 no. But, uh, yeah. We are back <laughs> of the house, people. That's right. That's right. And once again, we are on Spotify. So if you want to listen to us there, you can listen to us on Spotify again. I've given in. Joe Rogan has won. Though I will say... If you're listening to this on Spotify, or if you're listening to this on anything, really, and you ever hear a commercial as part of the, the podcast, I don't listen to this on anything because I listen to it twice in the making of it. So, <laughs> But if you ever hear a commercial, we're not getting any money from that. So please uh, listen to our podcast with Adblock on or just outright refuse to ever purchase anything that's ever advertised on this podcast. We aren't advertising it. We aren't getting money from it. To hell with them advertisers. Yeah, you you heard it here first, folks. Uh, we do not get money from those ads if if they exist. Uh, but uh, yeah, we do thank you for for listening to it, for toughing it toughing it out through those ads. All the same, just to to hear. Our yeah, voices. being tough enough for those um, ads, you might say. That's right. That's right. Any other any other business to share with the folks before we get started, or do you want to just jump right into these games? We've got website business. The website is up again. I have, oh, that's right. I've updated it. Uh, there is some fun stuff you can do there. Uh, there's there's Nintendo scratch cards. I scanned these from uh, an old pack of scratch cards that I got from a, a like new old stock. I'm still missing a few. I still need to scan and uh, put up the Double Dragon and Punch-Out cards, but Mario, Mario 2, Zelda, and Zelda 2 are all up there. If you want to relive the magic of those silly, strange little scratch-off trading cards that Nintendo put out in the little wax packs back in the, the late 80s, uh, go knock yourself out there, honestpiranha.com. Uh, you can also, uh, there'll be links to social media there. Uh, the The podcasts themselves will be embedded there. There'll probably be more stuff as we go. The the Sinest ranking, which we have not, we changed around last time, is now a tier list. You can see all of that there as well. So uh, feel free to go on over and have a fun time. And uh, oh, oh my goodness, there's so much business actually. There's so much business today. Um, more business. Uh, if uh, you feel so inclined, uh, you should go listen to the Gate Leapers podcast. We were on a recent episode of that talking about Star Trek. Uh, a topic that we love almost as much as we love old video games. Yeah, and that is a very fun show. Uh, it was a really great time being on that. So please go listen to that. Give them some support if uh, if you're not already a listener of theirs. And uh, yeah, uh, we really hope uh, we really hope that that uh, you you enjoy you enjoy our uh, our our appearance on there. Uh, even though yeah, uh, like like uh, Chase said, uh, we're we're you know branching out a little, not talking about video games on there. Yep, that is that is correct. We are talking star trek and uh and tv themes up <laughs> also that was fun that's right yeah 
That yeah. was very fun. Yes. Um, we also, uh, as of this podcast going up, we may have already been or are going to be on shortly the Namely 90s podcast in one of their uh, 12 Days of Christmas episodes. They've already put out stuff about about it on Instagram, so I'm not spoiling anything here if I'm jumping the gun a bit. But uh, yeah, we are going to be on day two of that show talking about a Futurama Christmas episode. We had a lot of fun doing that as well. Uh, those folks put up a lot of content around the holidays. I don't know how they do it. So uh, They really do. It's incredible. But please go listen to that as well. And uh, yeah, uh, that's, you know, we've been, a, uh, we've been away for a while, even, even with our reappearance recently doing uh our re-ranking special but we hope that those those episodes uh help you fill in a little bit of the the time that we've missed with you so yeah yeah, yeah definitely so um yeah we, we did a christmas thing once i'd like to do it again this year just kind of was awful this was not the year for that so yeah yeah, yeah this year was kind of awful for me so yeah did not have time to do it but uh maybe next year i i am gonna I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope that, yeah, maybe next year we're going to do this. So, all right. Um, I think that's all the business. I think I've given everyone the business. All right. Well, now that you've given everyone the business, uh, let's uh, let's give these games the business. So what have we got today? Oh, yes. Uh, so today we have got Utopia, Creation of a Nation, Top Gear 2, and Tough Enough. Maybe we just start from uh, we'll start with Utopia because sure um, uh, yeah I think this will not uh, unfortunately be th- a thing that we're going to talk about for very long but yes yeah. let's talk about Utopia uh, creation the creation of a nation. Yes, so this one comes to us from gremlin graphics we've talked about them before but the quick and dirty uh they were founded in 1984 spun off of a software store called just micro enjoyed some success making games for computers ended up acquiring dma uh the folks behind lemmings and grand theft auto before themselves being purchased by infograms in 1999 and then being closed down a couple years after that uh but the founder of gremlin Ian Stewart has recently, well, not recently, but in 2011, purchased the rights to Gremlins IPs for his new company, Urban Scan, and has released a couple of re remakes, if you want to call it that, or, or modern sequels to some of those games. Uh, but that's that's um, Gremlin graphics in a nutshell. Uh, according to Moby Games, Gremlin was the developer of this game, but I think they just handled the SNES port. Um they were actually the publishers of this title in its uh, previous iterations on the Amiga, Atari ST, and DOS computers. The game originally came out in 1991 and was originally developed by Celestial Software. Celestial only has about five games to their credit, according to Moby Games. All of them seem to have a sci-fi theme to them. Most of them are management sims like Utopia. In fact, one is just an expansion to Utopia that didn't come out on the SNES for reasons that I probably shouldn't have to explain to you. And uh, another game called K240, which is regarded as a a kind of uh, successor or perhaps spiritual successor to the Utopia series. They don't have a bio on Moby Games. They do not have a Wikipedia entry, so I cannot tell you much more about them, I'm afraid. Who are they? It's a mystery. Right. Well, um, so Utopia... uh, 
this is a game that uh, to me, it, it you know, from my very, very basic knowledge of these kinds of games reminds me in small parts of a few different things. Uh, it reminds me uh, interface wise. It reminds me a fair bit of Populous, even though what you're actually doing in this game is completely different. But the uh, the interface, the kind of uh, uh, isometric grid of icons that surround the kind of like play field that you can add stuff to and manipulate. Very, very populous. And uh, it also does share some things in common with Sim City and Sim Earth. Uh, and uh, also, frankly, with a lot of the Koei strategy games, uh, there's a le big layer of uh, diplomacy to this, from what I can tell. Uh, and, you know, it's this is a game where you are starting a, uh, a space colony on an uninhabited planet. I believe it's a little bit hard to tell from the game. The instruction manual goes into great detail about this, but... Uh, because of, uh, of, of sort of how I ended up sort of taking this game, I didn't really invest a ton of time into learning everything about that because I think that kind of much like the Koei games, this one is just kind of beyond us. Yeah, it's a bit outside of our wheelhouse, I'm afraid. So I don't think we're going to be covering this one or ranking it. Um, just not really our thing. And so involved that it would be a real it would be a, a genuine project to get into this game enough to to play it successfully and offer offer a good opinion on it. Yeah. So uh, but, you know, if this is your kind of thing, you probably want to play it on a computer anyway. Uh, particularly, you might want to play the DOS version, which actually has that expansion that we talked about earlier. Um, yeah, this does not feel just based on my own experience with it does not feel like a game that is at all suited to playing with a controller. Uh, it's actually kind of miserable to try to do anything in this game from, from what I could tell. Um, so even if you could, you know, wrap your head around it and, and play it very successfully, uh, I do not think this is the way to do it. Yeah. So uh, with all of that out of the way, I think this one is just going to go into our U tier for unranked. Um, it's just not our cup of tea. And, um, and frankly, we just can't be bothered. Mm -hmm. We don't have the time. It's it, it would be a chore to get into this game yeah. for us. So. Yeah. Um, though shout outs to that instruction manual for being the only instruction manual today that is worth anything. I looked at all three of them like I usually do. And the other two games we're going to talk about uh, really don't have much of anything of note going on with their instruction manual. I think the instruction manual for Utopia, should you decide to play it on the Super Nintendo, is essential reading. So please look that up. It's easily available, just like all Super Nintendo instruction manuals are now. Uh, and uh, very worth your time if you do want to invest some, some time into this game as a whole. Yep. And uh, with that, I guess we will move on. So where where should we go next? We've got. Uh... Well, let's, uh, you know, let's follow the order, okay. I guess, that you laid out before. So that will take us next to the uh, the mean streets of the post apocalypse and tough enough. Mm -hmm.
So, um, Tough Enough, this one was known in Japan as Dead Dance. It's also known as the more uh, verbose title it's given in the ridiculous American cover, Hey Punk, are you tough enough? <laughs> <laughs> that's an amazing cover. It's uh, one of the one of those covers that's really not representative at all of the art style of the game, and it is like some peak, like off-brand image comic style uh, '90s attitude. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Like they, they they gave Rob Liefeld five bucks, and this is what uh, he decided was was that was worth. So. <laughs> Yep. Um, so I, I've heard that like the, the cover for this game in other territories is better. And part of the reason for that is that um, they actually licensed it from a magazine that did art for it because they didn't have any of those assets to give to any outlets. Okay. So they saw what the magazine did and were like, hey, that's good. Can we use that? And they were like, I guess. Uh, fine. Does that? I wonder how often that happens. That seems like a really strange occurrence. It really does. But uh, that's very funny, yeah. though. Honestly. Um, anyway, this game comes to us from Jalico. Uh, we've talked about them a few times now. They're probably most well known by us, anyway, as the folks behind the Rushing Beat series. Which, uh, which I, which I want to say, I thought this was part of until I started it up. I, I really assumed this was the third Rushing Beat game based on the name. Yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Um, it does, but it's not. This is not a Rushing Beat game. I'm sorry. Please continue on. Yeah, so uh, the Rushing Beat games so far contain this, the games Rival Turf and Brawl Brothers. We'll get to the other one later. Um, this is actually, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, history notes for this one, but... Um, this is actually a pretty decent little fighting game. I, I think that this one's yeah. all right. Um, is I this an internal production from Jalico, or did yep. they have like a... Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, as, as far as I can um, tell, this looks like this was yeah. this was this this is 100% pure Jalico. All right, you go, guys. And um, yeah, so uh, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a history note, but like... I'll talk about, you know, like maybe my, my big problem with this game first before going into the things that I like about it. But um, this game has a lot of cut content, it seems, from its original Japanese version. I think it might have just been a case of not wanting to translate things, like not wanting to translate every ending that's in the game, things like that. So as a result, this game production-wise feels pretty bare bones. Um, yeah. I don't have a sense for like who these characters are, why I should care about them or anything like that. The way that I feel like we do with the street fighter two series, even just based mm -hmm. on the materials that you would have gotten with the game and through the game itself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, also I, I think some things might've been censored in America. Um, like the character portraits, uh, next to the life bars would, um, get like damaged and a little bit bloodier. Uh, that'd as, be so cool. Yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah, the, couldn't, couldn't have the blood yet. Uh, this, this, this uh -huh. is a pre mortal Kombat two super Nintendo. Can't, can't have right, that. Right. Right. This game truly makes me feel like some time has, has passed since the, uh, since the super Nintendo came out because this is the first fighting game that I, uh, can think of on the super Nintendo that is not a street fighter game that feels like a street fighter game. It feels like that style of fighting game. Like this game was entirely made from top to bottom 
after Street Fighter 2 came out and people were able to analyze it and figure out why it was good. That doesn't mean it's an amazing game or anything, but it feels truly like we are living in like the world that Street Fighter 2 helped create with this game. And I think it's good because this is vastly better than the majority of fighting games we've played on the Super Nintendo, even if it is kind of bare bones in some ways. Yeah, I I would definitely say that this is the best fighting game we've played that doesn't have Street Fighter 2 in the title. Yeah. Um, And it does just play a lot like Street Fighter 2. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to steal, steal from the best, right? Yeah. You know, one thing I noticed about this game, like a very strange little detail where Mm -hmm. it changes from Street Fighter, is that it seems like if you are blocking and crouching, you can be hit with um, overhead attacks in a way that that's you interesting in street fighter 2 like okay. i was noticing this like if i was crouched and and blocking i would mm-hmm. often get hit with um with jump in attacks and i was like that's an interesting way of doing that like it it makes it so that um there's a little bit more risk involved with um crouching and ducking where in street fighter yeah. 2 that pretty much blocks everything but here uh-huh. you have to actually make an effort to be like, Oh no, I need to be standing and blocking in order to block this. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, right. I like I think that. That's, that's cool. I, yeah. I, I don't think this game is quite as tight as street fighter two, but it, it kind of gets why street fighter two was good. Um, in a way that I don't think any of the other fighting games we've covered before have, um, yeah, I, I do think the, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of choices that you can see that the developers made to try and balance the game out to, to make it a good competitive fighter that I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and it is pretty fun to play the characters, especially the four characters that you have to play as at the beginning of the game, a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, they're basically very generic sort of types. You know, you got your your uh, Ryu type guy, you got your martial arts lady, you got your Zangief type guy, and um, I don't know what's the what's the fourth and guy. Your, your palette swap, Ken. <laughs> your palette swap, Ken. Yeah, um, you know, very basic fighting game characters, but uh, there are more characters in the game. I do wish the game made it easier for you to play as. Them. Yeah, I think this is a. a- big kind of letdown for the game is that most of the characters are considered boss characters and are not playable by default. They do add a code that you can enter to play as them. But as far as the story is concerned, you're not going to be playing as any of those characters. Yeah. You really only got these four characters. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of them are more visually interesting than the main characters. Yeah, that's definitely true. So, so yeah, um, it really does kind of, You know, I think you need a better roster than this to be a really, really, you know, really good fighting game, like competitive in the sense of like, you know, being comparable in the market to Street Fighter 2. I mean, even Mortal Kombat has more characters available than this. But uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, for one thing, uh, it just plays well. And for another, you know, those characters are available. You just have to jump through some hoops to to play as them. And you can't do, you know, the, uh, you know, the one player story mode with them. So, yeah, so, yeah I, I like it. I think this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I just wish there was a little bit more going on for a game with a story mode. I wish that I had a better sense of what the story was other than just, hey, it's the post apocalypse. You've got to fight the other combatants for the right to enter the tower and then you got to fight your way up the tower. Um, Yeah, I think like this is not any any less 
you know, involved than the story mode in like Mortal Kombat. But at least with Mortal Kombat, it doesn't it's not trying to present itself as having a story really, you know, but no, I mean, Mortal like, Kombat just, is, you know, goes all in on the story. Like they've kind of gone all in from on the story from does. day one. No, I mean, it does, but you don't have a thing. You just have, you know, arcade mode and, and verses and that this one. Yeah. You, you literally have an option that says story mode. And if you're going to do that, I think there should be a little more to it than what they've got here. Given, given how basic it is, but it's still, it's still fine. It's still, I'm still glad that it's there. Uh, and, um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, like, I, th- I think the graphics are good. They're readable. There's decently big sprites with a lot of personality to them. Music is fine. None of it really stands out that much, but just as an overall package, it is so much closer to what I would consider like, you know, when I boot up a fighting game, this is kind of what I expect to see, you know? And it was with some of the bosses, they really went for it. You know, like they've got weird military guy. They've got, uh, got, you know, uh, shirtless German dude. What got robot arms? Um, I wish they they had put that uh-huh. level of care yeah. into the four characters that you start as. It's a weird choice. They feel they feel more like the characters you'd have in like a, a belt scrolling brawler. Mm-hmm. You know, like it feels like I, I expect characters in a fighting game to be a little more colorful than these, but uh, but they are fine. For yeah, what they are. There's also uh, an element of upgrading the characters. Uh, their special moves will get better as you fight through the the story mode and. That sort of goes into the one-on-one mode as well, where you can, I think, put points into characters. I didn't spend a lot of time there, but it's that's kind of neat, uh-huh. though. I, I For a competitive fighter, I don't know if that throws off the balance any, but uh, it's, it's something there. I don't think they were <laughs> thinking about that, honestly, you know? Like, I think that this is still too early of a of a time in the history of fighting games for anybody to be that concerned about that, especially since, as far as I know, this does not have any kind of an arcade version. I think this is purely a Super Nintendo game. Is that correct? Yeah, this one's just on the uh, just on the SNES. So, yeah, no arcade version, no ports, That's no sequels yeah. that I am aware of. Purely this one game for the Super Nintendo. OK, got it. All right. So, um I guess we'll head over to our own tower, our our tier list, yeah. and decide where this one goes. So in our A tier, we've got Super Mario World at number one. We've got F-Zero down at number 32. And I don't think this is good enough to hang there. I don't think it is tough enough. I, yeah, I don't think it's tough enough for that, personally. Um but uh, I could I could probably see it going into the B tier. What do you think? Yeah, I think I would be fine with putting this in the B tier. Um, yeah, I think that's just a good place for it. So that's where we're going to plop it in. And because we're not ranking B tier stuff, uh, we don't have to worry about anything All else. Right. We just we just set it and forget it. Sounds um, great. But yeah, just as a reminder of some other stuff that's in the B tier, not that this is organized in any way, but uh, we have things like First Samurai, uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, and uh, and Rival Turf. 
those games are in here. So really good, uh, really good place for this to to have company with. And I think it's honestly, you know, so impressive, so exciting to me that we're now getting fighting games that are this mechanically sound, uh, you know, just sort of coming out like it's no big deal. So. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, maybe someday um, when all of our, you know, in between tiers, B, C and D are like over 100 games long each. Maybe we'll do something like add, you know, like a plus minus system to it. Yeah. To to break it up even more. But but not today. Yeah, Not today. All right. Well, we got, uh, I guess, one more game uh, to, to talk about today. And uh, that is Top Gear 2. You might be missing some of the benefits that Adelio can provide. about top gear 2 chase well top gear 2 is uh one of these uh racing games uh where you're going to be uh driving in a four-wheeled vehicle commonly known as a car well you know that's not that's pretty that's pretty novel honestly i don't know if i can get my head around this yes yeah um no this is a sequel to top gear which is a racing game that really took us by surprise um just like that one, this is also developed by Gremlin. Uh, not just the port this time, because I assume that this was probably the the main version of this game. Yes, um, I know for a fact that this was uh, made by by Gremlin. Uh, you know, top to bottom. So yeah, yeah. Um, they also worked on the first Top Gear, which is uh, which which again was a SNES exclusive. This one ended up uh, going out onto the Amiga and the Genesis, and apparently the the Amiga. CD32. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, but it hit the SNES first. So uh, uh, this was also published by uh, Kotobuki, a.k.a. Chemco. And um, yeah, it, this is more Top Gear, although there's there's some changes. And they're not... There are some changes. They're not all changes I am crazy about. Um, yeah, same here. I think they may be... So I think some of them maybe make it a more mechanically rich game, but they're not all things that personally appeal to me. So yeah, let's talk about what this game is and how it differs from the first one. Yeah. So this is a racing game, uh, featuring, I I think like 64 tracks, uh, in 16 different countries, a lot of, a lot of variety, a lot of content. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we really enjoyed the first top gear. It felt really good to play. It was very, it was, it was pretty simple to play. It didn't require a lot of, you know, real, mechanical know-how to to um to get into that one mm-hmm. we are not car people i mean i'm not a car person at all so uh no and I, I i'm not a car person either but i do i think like racing games in general a little more than you but even with that i do like a simpler more arcadey racing game most of the time uh than than something that's got kind of a simulation element to it and uh yeah, this one, I think, veers a little bit closer to simulation, having simulation elements to it. Yeah, so. it's a little more simmy in the uh, in the way that you upgrade your car between races. You'll if you won money in the previous race, you can spend that on upgrades to your car or you can bank it and save it up for later to buy more expensive upgrades. Um, I didn't find the upgrade system in this game to be complicated enough to, to you know, uh, make me not like it. In fact, I, I was kind of into it. Yeah, same. But there's also a yeah. sense that the upgrade system here is maybe a little bit of just kind of 
artificial gatekeeping in some instances. Like mm-hmm. this is a game with a fuel gauge, even though you never pit in this game. So you right, can't refill right. your fuel in the middle of a race. So if you run out of fuel, you're going to get the sense that like, well, what was I supposed to do here? Um, what you were supposed to do was upgrade your gearbox before a certain race uh, to the point where you know, with your default gearbox, your car won't be fuel efficient enough to finish the race in all likelihood. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. And, and as far as I'm aware, I, th- I think I, I read that they actually removed the fuel mechanic from uh, other versions of this game. Yeah, I don't love the f- the fuel mechanic is the one thing. I feel like it was more of an annoyance for me in this game than it was in the first game. I didn't really think about it much in the first game, even though it also had had fuel as like a, a resource you had to keep your eye on. But yeah, in this game, I definitely got bothered by it in a way I wasn't really expecting. Um, it makes sense to me that they removed that from other versions of this game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that part I wasn't crazy about, but the other upgrades, you know, like upgrading your engine, upgrading your tires, that all seemed fine to me. This does have a thing where, um, the, there, there's, uh, both rain and dry weather, weather conditions, and there are tires that are specifically for, uh, either rain or dry weather. So that's another thing where the game wants you to kind of keep an eye on something and change it up to, to fit what's going on. Well, I don't think you actually have to manually change your tires between okay. races. I think it's it's just a sense of like, hey, if you upgrade your wet tires, those are the tires. You Got know, it. Okay. It's going to improve your handling. And in, in, I, I think I wasn't noticing like a huge okay. um you know, like a huge issue because I, I I didn't swap out my tires or whatever. I was just upgrading my tires and I assumed that that just meant, okay, in, in dry conditions, you know, your tires are, you know, your, your handling is going to be better or in wet conditions. If you upgrade your wet tires, your handling is going to be better. The, the funny thing for me is I, I changed out my tires and it just basically made it feel the same, you know, it's like, well, I guess this is doing what it's supposed to, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I didn't thoroughly test that to see if like, yeah, if it felt drastically different. But yeah, I wasn't noticing like huge differences. I, I did notice that like, as I just kind of generally upgraded my car, like, I was, you know, like, turning a little bit better. Yeah. Um, things like that. Um, you know, going a little bit faster. Um, game is very generous with the nitros. Very that you get generous before the race, with the nitros, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it still remains fun to race, even with these other elements. There is also not that this mattered, not that this really affected me much at all. But there is also um, a damage system now where uh, you can see like a little like graph of your car in the the top left corner and uh, you can take damage to different parts of the car as the race goes on by hitting things. Um once again, kind of cool that they added it. I don't really think it changed very much for me personally, but yeah. Yeah, I barely interacted with any of that at all. I, I did upgrade my yeah. armor once or twice because it was cheap to do, but um, yeah, I, I didn't re- really find myself needing to engage with that all that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I mean, yeah, I, I was playing on amateur the entire time, so I don't know if that stuff comes into play. Maybe a Yeah, that's bit a good point. I played on amateur as well. Maybe if you're actually trying to play on a higher difficulty level that stuff matters more so yeah, yeah. um pres- um, presentation wise the camera angle behind your car it feels like it's closer to the road than it was in the last game um which it, well and the big and, and i mean there's a big change yes. in presentation as well 
Yeah, uh, uh, and that you've got the full screen available to you. Uh, it, it's yeah, not... you got the full screen available. It's not split screen with another car just you know arbitrarily taking up the, the lower half of the screen. So. Yeah, um, I think that the definitely the the sprite work for the cars is completely redone. Like they look pretty different in this game than they did in the first one. Yeah, I, I went back to the first game, you know, just to sort of compare. And wow, you really notice when you get that full screen now, it's it's a little yeah, bit hard to go back yeah. to the split screen. Also, you know, the, the car seemed more like a little bit more detailed, but it almost felt like they were too busy for their own good in the yeah. first game in a way we're like here, they've got a more yeah. streamlined look that I think works a little bit better. There's, a, there's an almost like a CG render look to them in this game, especially when you like spin out or something yeah, that yeah. looks really good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, the first ones are big kind of chunky sprites that, that I don't think look quite as attractive as what's going on in top gear two. Yeah. Um, you don't get to choose what car you drive in this one like you did in the last one, but you do get to change your uh, paint color whenever you want, uh, which is kind of neat. Yeah, that is cool. And, uh, you know, um, and, and at first, you know, I thought like the background elements were as impressive as they were in the first one. But then I realized, no, that's just because I'm looking at the background elements on a larger portion of the screen. So they look smaller yeah, by comparison. Right. But yeah, not only are they still good, but there's a there's actually a huge variety of um, backdrops and everything. Some of them are really gorgeous. There's like a, a Niagara Falls one that I got to that. I was like, this is that's pretty cool looking, actually. A lot of dynamic tracks. Um, some of them have like tunnels that you go through. It was really neat. Um, some of the tracks you drive at night. No headlights in this one like the first game, which I thought you know was a little bit of a bummer. But you see those tail lights in the dark, and it's pretty cool. It's. I think this is a pretty slick game. One thing I will say, and I don't, I don't really know what I can to as the reason for this, but I don't know that I think the driving feels quite as good to me in this game as it did in the first one. Like, it's a little bit slower, a little bit harder to... Like, I think it's, it is a little... The, the driving model is, like, a tiny bit more realistic in this game in that, you know, it kind of takes momentum into account a little bit more. And, like, uh, this is still, I mean, the very kind of abstracted version of those things that you can do on a super Nintendo, but um, it definitely feels like it takes a little bit more effort to perform as well in this game as it did in the first one. And I, I appreciate that, but it does make it a little bit less like instantly pick up and play. Yeah. Uh, fine. Than the first game was to me. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good production. I think it is really, really well made. Yeah. I, I think probably you could chalk the, the differences in driving up to the fact that there isn't, the, the upgrades in the first game that there is here. So you're probably not right. You know, yes. It, they've just got to give you the car as it's going to be by the end. I think yeah. probably by the end of this, of, of top gear two, you have a car that feels just as good to, to play as uh, the, as the, the one in the first game. So, yeah. So maybe there's a good argument to say that like this game might've been better served with like a, uh, an ability to just, drive a race with a completely souped out car right from the get go. And maybe, maybe it's got that. I just didn't dig around enough. I don't know, but that would have been cool. That would have been cool. But yeah, but that's more of a personal thing for me than, than it is, um, you know, an actual issue with the game itself. But, but yeah, I, I liked this. I thought it was really good. And I think it is a really good sequel to the original top gear. Yeah. The, the one other 
complaint that I had is that um, the the main theme for the original Top Gear was a real jam. Like for me, yeah, that was like, oh, yeah. this goes on. Th- this track is like going to be one of my favorite Sinest tracks now. Like this one's just such a jam. This one didn't have any one track that I felt like matched that. Um, it's still got good music, but I don't think the soundtrack was quite as good mm-hmm. as the first one. Yeah, game. I think that's fair. The first one had all those good arpeggios. Yeah. Yeah, but uh but but yeah, uh no, I I kind of feel the same way about the music in this. Um so yeah, I I think this is this is a really good sequel. I think that you know, some of the the choices made in it personally appeal to me a little bit less than some of the one some of the equivalent ones in the first game, but uh but I yeah, I I think overall it's it's a really I think this is more or less what you mostly hope a sequel to something like a racing game will do. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I guess the, there's not much more to do other than just, um, see where this one goes on the list and yeah, for this one, we, we've got top gear. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the A tier. So it is ranked and I'll be honest. I think, I think I'm actually going to say, I like this one a little bit better than the original. Um, okay. Yeah. But I, but I think you liked the original a little bit more than this one, right? I like the original a little bit more than this okay. one, but I also think that if I were to spend, this is the thing, if I were to spend an entire weekend playing both of these games, I may well end up liking Top Gear 2 more, you know, because yeah. I think it has some elements to it that benefit the longer term playability of the game more than the initial impression of it. So, you know, I, I genuinely think that they're like, you know, good reasons for the choices they made. Um, or at least I can see good reasons for the choices they made being, being, you know, uh, being given. So, yeah. so yeah, you know, I think honestly they're, they're very, they're very similar in how I feel about them. So, yeah. Um, I think that I don't think either of us would ever make the case that this goes above rock and roll racing. Am I, am I correct about that? Yeah, you are correct about okay. that. Yeah. So I think this is just going to be a matter of, does this go above or below it? You know, the, the first game in the series, does it go above or below the original top? I think, gear? I think, uh, based on our discussion of it, I think probably it goes above it. Okay. I think that, that, you know, I, I, sus- I do genuinely suspect that the things about it that I like a little bit less, except for, I don't know, maybe the music, uh, are all things that I would actually come to see as, as you know, benefits to it the more I played it. so Okay. Well, if you are good with uh, Top Gear 2 going yes. above Top Gear, then I think that's where it should go. So yes, I, I feel good about that. All right. So that's going to make it our new number 20 in our, okay. uh, in our A tier. So congratulations, Top Gear 2. You've made it. To the to the upper echelon, yeah, man, of, of the list. Well done, and uh, and with that, I think that's gonna do it for us today. Um, wow, I we almost so. we yeah. almost had more news than we had games to talk about today. That's just how it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for next time, what are we gonna be looking at, Chase Keys? So next time, uh, we are gonna be talking about Wing Commander: The Secret Missions. All right world heroes and 
maybe we actually skip Yoshi Safari for right now and we wait until yeah. we do like a, a super scope special of some yeah, kind. Yeah, because that is a super scope game. So what what is next uh, beyond so Yoshi after Safari? After that, um, <laughs> just in time for Christmas, <laughs> Zombies Ate My Neighbors. <laughs> oh boy, all right. That's exciting. I've been I've been looking forward to getting oh, that Oh, I really so. wish we could have gotten that one at Halloween. Well, we'll have a very gooey Christmas, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like fun. Uh, please join us next time for that. Thank you so much for coming back. I know we've been away for a while, but it feels really good to be back. And uh, we hope that uh, we hope you enjoyed this one uh, wherever you're listening to it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, until then, I'm Emmy Zero. I'm Chase Keys. Play it loud. Our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoax, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoax.com. That's T E K N O A X E.com.